Welcome to episode 55 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. Thought we weren't going to get to hear J-Law tonight. J-Law's a little bit under the weather, but then uh, Alabama lands Eli Ricks out of the transfer portal to uh, to to seal uh, what's been a great day for Alabama recruiting. We'll definitely cover that, but Ricks is you know, the former number two corner uh, in the country, a five-star coming out of high school just two, three years ago, and decided with the coaching changes that he was going to leave LSU and, and, and join the Tide. Uh, Bryce Young played a big part in it, um, played with uh, with Ricks out in California and throughout high school. Um, so really big uh, late-night late edition for the Tide. We're sitting here recording at 8.30, and you know, we had to talk about it because it just happened right before we went on. So we had to discuss um, amongst ourselves. And uh, so now we're ready to share it with you guys. A um, lot, lot of stuff to cover tonight. You know, we'll go over some recruiting. You know, Alabama basketball has a big win at home over the Houston Cougars um, with some controversy at the end and then follows it up with a disappointing performance on the road at a five and four Memphis team who had lost four straight games. Um and then, uh, you know, maybe some NIL talk. Bryce Young wins the Heisman. Uh, uh, just an, a, another trophy to put in the trophy case for Alabama. Guys, they might have to build a separate football facility just for the trophy case that Nick Saban and his players are racking up up there. J-Law, just talk about Bryce. Let's start with that, man. I mean, this kid, we knew he was going to win it. You know, usually when you win the Maxwell, that almost guarantees you, I think, like in the last 20 years, there's only been like maybe three Heisman Trophy winners that did not win the Maxwell. Usually when you get the AP Player of the Year and the Maxwell Award, you win the Heisman Trophy. So that all but seals it up. And you kind of find it out two days before the actual Heisman ceremony. But, you know, Bryce Young, finalist in New York, um, just great ambassador for the program, represents Alabama so well. Uh, great parents, great kid, so well-spoken. Nick Saban there doing some recruiting. Just talk about Bryce the season he's had and what it means to him and the team on winning this Heisman trophy. Yeah, I was on a show earlier this week and he's the, he's the first NIL Heisman winning quarterback. So I think my big question is how much money can Bryce Young make while he's in college now? When's the Heisman trophy was already at least a $1 million man according to Nick Saban in July at the SEC meetings. And he's only done nothing but get his own podcast have his own Subway sandwich. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff. So it it's a bad time to be a bad program um, because you're, you are quickly falling behind when you have stars that are coming into Alabama and Georgia, like the Bryce Youngs, and they're able to showcase their talents at programs that are already in the limelight. It's just making the poorer be poorer and the richer get richer. And what an ambassador for the school. What an ambassador for the program. Bryce Young helping out on the Eli Ricks uh, train to get him back, get him to Tuscaloosa. Great Heisman speech by Bryce, man. He always handles himself well, always seems calm, cool, and collected. But, I mean, just four Heisman winners out of the last 13. Never had one ever. Alabama had the best player in college football a lot of times throughout history. But I don't think there's really – maybe outside of – there was a little controversy, I think, when uh, Mark Ingram won it in 09. Maybe that's like the only time where it could have been close. The guy gets six over 650 of the first-place votes. Not even close for anybody else. The other finalists not even coming close in the first-place votes column. 
So credit to Bryce Young, man. He took it home, took home a lot of hardware. But, man, we know that guy's focused uh, for what's coming up on December 31st. Yeah, and, you know, this is a guy that that came in last year. Uh, a, a lot of people, including, you know, us, were talking about how he, you know, he, he could possibly start over Matt Jones. Of course, um, there were very few people that truly believed that Matt Jones was going to put up the kind of season. You know, that there were some people that were just kind of trolling, saying that Matt Jones is going to do all this and that, but they had no idea. You have no idea uh, based off of whether Matt get three starts, um, at the end of 2019, you have, and he went two and one in those starts and, uh, you know, threw two picks, two pick sixes against Auburn and lost that game. And, and you had no idea that Mac was going to take off like that. And all of a sudden you've got this five-star kid coming in from Cali coming across country. And, you know, when those guys do that, they, they don't sit. Uh, when, when you come across country, you know, you, your Najee Harris's are rare. You know, a guy that'll sit for two or three years and get limited touches and uh, limited reps and, and just hang around the program and trust the process, as Saban says. Um, but, man, Bryce really understood his role. Um, you know, his, his roommate was Devonta Smith on the road last year for road games, and Smitty had that uh, video tribute to him that he got to watch after he won the Heisman Trophy, which is just just astonishing. Um and uh, and so this kid comes in and, you know, we thought he would push Matt last year and, and he might have if he had had a spring practice and it wasn't canceled due to COVID. Um, but, you know, everybody knows the season Matt has. So he comes in, he's not pushed. He, he is the guy um, and he just steps up and delivers one of the greatest seasons in Alabama history. Lester, can we all agree that, Bryce may end up being, if he isn't already, he might be the best quarterback ever to wear crimson. Is that something that you're ready to say now, or do you need to see him? Because, I mean, gosh, he's only he's only got, what, 13 starts under his belt? I mean, he's still got a whole another year of football to play. Um, so is that something that you're ready to say now, or is it something you need to see a little bit more of him before, before you make that claim? Um. It is something that I am very close to saying. Um, and I only say that because Bryce's journey, um, his book isn't in Christmas. It, it's not finished yet. Um, what makes what one of the leading reasons why I am leading towards that discussion is because, you know, when you think about Tua and Mac, look at who they were throwing to. Not that Mechie is a slouch. Not that J-Mo's and Slows are actually great. Not that, you know, 19 and the other tight end. But there's a good argument to say that Bryce is not throwing to four first-round draft picks at receiver. You know what I mean? What he's doing with this group of people um, under this pressure from his offensive line constantly all season long, it is, it is more impressive than what any other album quarterback you know, has done. Now, you know, Bryce's season isn't done yet. Um, he's got an SC championship under his belt. You know, he'll play against Cincinnati, you know, beat them, you know, have a chance to play for a national championship. But this is the most amazing season in recent history, for sure, from album quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, to, to me, Jayla, I'm asking you the same question. Where does – I'll just ask you where Bryce ranks uh, right now, as of now, not where he's going to rank, but where do you think he ranks now – 
as far as quarterbacks who have played at the University of Alabama. And for me, it's it's I judge guys on how you play in big games. Like, you know, it's just something I've always done. You know, what do you do when you've got to play the big dogs? And um, you know, one knock on two of that I've always had was after the 2017 game, you know, 2018, 2019, whenever he had to play that above average to elite defense. He just didn't have the same numbers, not even close. And I know Bryce isn't throwing for 80% against Auburn and, and George. I mean, gosh, he was under 50% against Auburn. But for him to just, you know, be so calm and chill in that late-game situation and just deliver when you ha- absolutely had to have it. Your back's against the wall, literally. Like, you're in the end zone. Your back is against the wall. It's third and ten, and you just – calmly step up, throw a strike, and just the plays that he's able to make um, off script are phenomenal. And most quarterbacks, when you hear off script, you think of scrambling and running and getting rushing yards. And that's not it with Bryce, man. I mean, as good as he is at doing that, and he's and one, another thing, he's gotten so much better with that as the year went on. Tua, whenever he scrambled – you you immediately went, oh, shit, because he's either going to get hurt or he's going to throw a pick. And every single pick that he threw just about, he rarely threw a pick from the pocket uh, when he was healthy. It, it was always when he was when he was scrambling, he was trying to make a play, he's trying to force something. Bryce just doesn't ever force the issue. And I know he's a little bit faster until he has more escapability. But just the those quick plays where he just pitches it out to B-Rob or throws a touchdown to Leary against Arkansas – the way he's able to see where the line of scrimmage is, it's just amazing to me. But I always judge, court, especially quarterbacks, what do you do when you're in the big game situation? What do you do when you're in hostile environments? Um, and, you know, the Auburn and Georgia game really sealed it for me. And, and I'm confident, J-Law, in saying that I'm not worried about a fall-off next year because I think Alabama's about to – land another big receiver in the transfer portal, hint, hint, to all my recruiting buffs out there listening to this, um, maybe from the same school where they just got the DB transfer from, but, you know, to be continued on that. And, uh, I mean, gosh, Alabama just continues to, to load up with talent at the wide receiver position. They got four top 75 overall guys last year. They got another three or four um, top 100 receivers coming coming in in this class. And uh, – and so I just don't see a drop off. I, I think, you know, because and, and obviously with the offensive line struggles, he's proven that he can still be elite with a subpar offensive line. So, J-Law, where does Bryce rank on your list of top quarterbacks who have come through the university? Let's go with my lifetime because Snake, Joe, Joe Namath. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a different time. They just didn't throw the ball. So let's yeah. just start from 93 on. Uh, I I think he's the best. Yeah, I think he's the best man. I was nobody loves AJ McCarron more than me for what he did. He should have had three in a row. For one for Kate Foster, two it was great. I was in Mercedes Benz with you uh, when when he when he hit the second and twenty six. Mac Jones, an all Power Five schedule last year, ran through everybody. But Alabama probably had pound for pound, the most offensive talent maybe in the history of college football on one team, not just that year. But, I mean, it was that year in LSU the year before, the two most talented offensive teams probably ever. So, I look at Bryce this year, man, two running backs that they rely on go down 
for the year. Kamar Wheaton can't play. Um, B-Rob gets banged up in the Iron Bowl. He's messed up against Georgia. They're running Trey Sanders with a shattered pelvis out there. He's throwing to guys that continuously drop the ball. He Your offensive no- line is shuffled three or four yeah. times. I mean, you have we've had three different guys start at center. We've had two separate right tackles. I mean, it, it's been pretty – it hasn't been a, a masterpiece for this offense. They didn't just draw it up on a canvas and it looked beautiful all the time. But what he did to me against teams that wanted to make sure he couldn't throw the ball on, like Arkansas, dropping eight goes for like 450 and four touchdowns the drive against Auburn to seal the Heisman moment and then going out against Georgia a team that tried to get a lot of pressure didn't still made all the plays rushed for a touchdown through for three others I mean man like Bryce Young's overall impressive and if you give him Smitty Waddle Steve Sarkeesian Najee Harris Landon Dickerson Alex Leatherwood Deontay Brown right Evan Neal at right tackle there is no – I don't know if it gets better than what Mac Jones did because I'm not sure it could have gotten better. But, man, this guy is money in his first year as a starter. Never had a start coming into this one. Um, if it, if he sat out next year, he would go down as the best quarterback in Alabama history. Let's just put it that way. J-Lo, you're, you're my big NIL guy, so NIL guy. So I want to stay with you real quick. You know, you talked about – the first thing you said was about Bryce being the first NIL Heisman winner. Um. I, you know, I, I'll Bama fatigue is real. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, I think Kenny Pickett was voted over Bryce Young on a couple of uh, of All American ballots um, and All American teams for first team All American. Kenny freaking Pickett made it over AP Player of the Year, Watch Camp, Davey O'Brien, Maxwell Award, Heisman winner. I mean, Bryce just racked it up. He didn't split those awards with anybody. He he cleaned it up. He was by far, like you said, he blew away the competition in the Heisman voting, by far the best player in the country. And uh, But Bama bias is real. I mean, I think Jamison Williams deserved the Blitken off. Um, Will Anderson getting snubbed for the New York invite. I mean, he was he got the third most first-place votes, man. That's absurd. He wasn't even in the uh, in the freaking like, – in, in, he didn't even go to New York. And, you know, the player of the year. Uh, Jordan Davis wins it with like two sacks on the whole year, like 20 tackles or something. Uh, a, a guy whose fat ass was just gas in the second half or second quarter, excuse me, the second quarter, the biggest game that he played in all season. And, uh, and, and so Alabama fatigue is real out there. So do you think that it hurts guys that play for Alabama, even though Bryce is from Cali, he's got the Cali swag and everybody loves him. Do you think with NIL, with like the bigger companies like Travis Hunter, who we'll talk about in a little bit, went to Jackson State, they talk about how the Barstool Sportsbook or whatever and like Penn is going to like give him NIL deals. Do you think it hurts guys like Bryce Young and, and other guys that go to Alabama because of Alabama fatigue? Do you think they'll get those same type of deals? Just because, you know, they're not, I don't want to say nationally respected, but like people are just tired of them. You see what I'm saying? So do you think, you know, bigger companies would like stick their neck out for an Alabama player when they might not get the same return on investment. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, at right, maybe right after Bryce won it. If Bryce was at USC, Oregon, one of these other schools that the country hasn't started to love to hate over the last decade if he was at one of these schools Oklahoma if he was at Texas if he was 
you know, what, maybe even Michigan at this point because they don't even feel like a blue blood anymore. Like, how, how does that factor in? But I think for Bryce, it's all about the University of Alabama's social media page get, gets the – they get the most interactions. Now you can say it's all Alabama fans interacting with it, but they get the most interactions of any other college football page on Twitter, Instagram, um, across all Power 5 schools. And I think Alabama with the um, – with the uh, NIL company that they're, I think this rumor that they're about to launch um, inside of their athletics facility there. I mean, like there's a lot of things going on with NIL. It is, it is to me, it is right up there in the top three marketable brands um, in college sports. So I'm, I would not really be surprised if you start seeing now Bryce Young on that national scale He's he's not going to be just a southeastern subway sandwich. Like there, there might be a Bryce Young across the nation. I mean, he might be on Nike commercials, Adidas commercials. Who wants to sign him? What's stopping Dr. Dre with the headphones or Bose or anybody along those lines to starting to sign these guys to national deals? The only guy, if you think about it, that got a real national deal was DJ Uyagalele with the Dr. Pepper commercials to represent the college football playoff. And, dude, they're so far away from the playoff. He's so far away from being an elite quarterback that it was a complete bust. I think that reset the market a little bit on what you need to do. But now that Bryce has won it and you know he's elite, I think there's a very good chance that because he is at one of the most marketable programs in the country that you're going to see Bryce nationwide, which only helps Alabama with a full, you know, wraparound 360 in the recruiting world, they're going to be everywhere. And I think that's big for Alabama for Bryce to win it. He's the first Heisman winner of the NIL era. Does the NIL need limitations? Do they, do they need to restructure something? I mean, because this is something that I called from the beginning, and I told you I was going to bring this up because I, I, I knew that – I mean, we know how big college football is, and I don't think that the people that voted on this, this free-for-all – you know, do whatever you want. I don't think they understood how big college football is. And, I mean, we talked about the parody. Everybody bitches and moans about Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, uh, Oklahoma, and the playoff every year. Well, you know, you're going to throw Texas A&M and Texas in, in the mix because of the oil money out there. And, uh, you know, these big brand schools, they're just going to dominate. You can do – you can do 12 teams in the playoff if you want to. You're going to do – you can do 16. You can do 24, 32, however many you want to do. But the cream's going to rise to the top um, more times than not. And, you know, like, like I pointed out to you all last night, and J-Law, you reiterated it today, that after the top four and really now just the top three, as much as Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M recruiting-wise, this in this class – I know every year is different, but in this class – the difference between three and four, even with Ohio State sitting at four, they have like 289 points, and the next highest has like 312. That's substantial in recruiting. That is a huge drop-off between number three and four. And, and you know, I think Ohio State lost like two guys to Texas because just they can offer them more money. And it's just simple as that. You know, Lane Kiffin's been talking about it, and I 100% agree with him. These kids are going to go, hey, where can I get the most money? That's where they're going to go. They don't care about getting developed anymore because they all think they're good enough to play in the NFL now. So they don't care about, you know, fulfilling their potential and, and being as high draft pick as possible because I can get mine now and, and I can just basically worry about that later. And so 
I thought this thing needed to be structured from the beginning. And, uh, you know, if you wanted, I'd structure it tight and then you can add more and more as the years go along if you need to. But uh, I would have definitely capped it at what a player can receive. And I know Lester didn't agree with that. Lester, I'm going to get your opinion on this in, in a minute. Uh, but after seeing this, I mean, this thing hadn't even been going on for a year. After seeing all this and the advantage and disadvantage that teams have, do you think there needs to be some kind of structure? The main issue is the Supreme Court just said that nobody can stop you in from making money off your name, image, and likeness. So it really wasn't an NCAA bill. It was kind of from top to bottom, anywhere in between, unless you're inside of a contract, which is like a work contract. So with your employer or whatever, no, there's parameters on that. But you think about it for these kids, there is no contract. It's just, hey, they're signing a financial aid agreement. Essentially, they're getting a scholarship. There is no work contract. The school can't compensate them. So the school also can't tell you what you can and can't do like when you're in the nfl um let's say uh tom brady can't wear dr dre headphones the beats on the field because the nfl is sponsored by bose and bose doesn't want that on there so in college there is none of that so it is essentially made it a free-for-all and you could say that the people that did it don't understand that this was what was going to happen but they're not thinking about college football. They're thinking about the Constitution of the United States. And so I could see this thing being potentially tweaked if you start making these kids employees. That would almost be the only way to get yourself out of this on a um, contractual type of base. I mean, even in the NFL, I mean, you can do a Subway sandwich or something like that. There is some limit in those contracts, but maybe – there would be ways around it if you made kids sign contracts and sign their rights away, but you don't lose your rights when you go to college. So there's no way to really work around that. But I do think it's a problem. Um, we already have teams under investigation. You already have um, like businesses saying like at Texas, you can have $50,000 for being an offensive lineman, but it's only at Texas. So they're only taking your name, your NIL if you're at Texas. So it's kind of it's it's already a rough rocky situation in school in schools that especially there's a lot of southeastern conference schools like that don't have a lot of billionaires you know arkansas has got jerry jones but dude does jerry jones care about getting a bunch of really good kids at arkansas he's worried about the cowboys jimmy rain dude he's got conditional money at auburn he ain't worried about that stuff he just wants to be the boss so you know these bigger schools with billionaires and they have companies I wouldn't be surprised if every kid at A&M in Texas was wearing an Exxon T-shirt or a Chevron T-shirt every day and then posting about it on Instagram just to say that they, they have an ex, a reason for a monetary exchange. It's going to be weird, man. This, the college football changed forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lester, what Jalen was talking about, I, I wouldn't cap everything. Um, but to me, I think it gets kind of ridiculous what he's talking about, like these people saying, if you come to Texas and you're an offensive lineman, you get $50,000. I don't care if you're a walk-on or a five-star. I think that's a little crazy. I think stuff like that can be capped to where, you know, every other school has that advantage. You, you see what I'm saying? I mean, like just cap that at maybe like 10 grand. I mean, because, I mean, God, you understand that like, if you go to Texas as a two-star recruit, say you're a legacy, like say, you know, the Brocker Myers or whatever, say they weren't five stars and four stars, say they were one and two stars. 
and they got a, a legacy type scholarship or a, a preferred walk on. And they were there, you know, they got a red shirt and a COVID year. What's six times 50 grand? Is that $300,000 that you got without even playing a snap? 300K? No, so it takes some people, you know, six years to make that. You see, you see, you see what I'm saying, Lester? Like in, in the workforce, not being a, a free college student or, or whatever, being on scholarship at the University of Texas. So, Lester, do you, after seeing this and seeing how big it's gotten so fast and see the rapid growth of it, do you think that – because I know you were a big, big – uh, you know, you talked a lot about you like the free-for-all. You, you, you kind of – you think the players deserve it. And I, I think I, – don't get me wrong. I, the players deserve to be compensated, but I think they deserve to be compensated for their performance. You see what I'm saying? I think that oh, okay. if you're going to buy – you know, if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna have people buy two hundred thousand of your jerseys, you know that you need to become for stuff like that. But getting paid fifty thousand dollars a year just for being on the roster, I think that's something that needs to be either taken out completely or capped at a very low amount. Lester, what are your thoughts uh, on this whole deal after the first football season and recruiting? recruiting season of the NIL era. Yeah, so, so I, I this has nothing to do with deserve. I don't I don't I don't really care or you know it doesn't matter if they deserve it or not. Like I like I've been saying if you want to give these 17, 18, 19 year old kids a million dollars, um uh eighty thousand dollar truck or whatever before they step foot on your if you want to light that money on fire by all means, please do it. Look at Quinn Ewers, the guy who went to Ohio State. What was his NIL deal? That Ford dealership gave his ass an $80,000 truck. Another company up there, uh, he had a big NIL deal for what? And then, and, and look what happens. He doesn't even play for that school anymore. But I mean, if you want to take that risk, and there are some people who will do it, every single time and i understand that and clearly these people have money to burn if they want to do it by all means let them do it because more times than not they're gonna get well actually it's gonna pay off more times than not yeah but there's we can we can, we can list five stars and four stars that we thought were going to be hall of famers and those guys would have made all the nil money coming into bama or where Chase is talking about just the reason to get them on campus. Like, not like you get there and you think Quinn Ewers or whatever his name is is going to be a, a superstar and he gets a truck. That's one thing. But just having it out there, hey, if you come here, you're getting 100 Gs. That's I think those are two completely different things. It's not even name, image, and likeness. It's not, it's not even basing it off their likeness. You're just basing it off the Longhorn uniform. Yeah, that's a little different. I, I think one thing that could be done is – no NIL deals for freshmen. None. You come in, you do, you know, you Ooh, do your uh that's not gonna fly. Why not? If but that's not the that but the problem is that's not the Supreme Court's ruling. True. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not. But you know, I think that would be a kind of a, a solution. But yeah, I I I think it I think that is a little unfair for Texas to be like, you know, here's 50 grand. But see, the thing is it's not. Texas though that's doing it like you can't stop a company who is 
Like, like we can't stop Bryant Bank for telling every recruit, here's $50,000 in a savings bond or whatever for you if you come to Alabama. The Supreme Court can't stop it. The schools can't stop it. It just all depends on whether these individual, you know, people, boosters, clubs, whether they want to do it or not. I don't know. Does that kind of – Well, kinda... you know, to, to set the limitations, is that NCAA or is that Supreme Court? Who's got to do, I, I don't even know. Who? But, see, who's the governing body that would set the limitations? I don't know. The Supreme they, Court said there can't be limitations. That's why there are none. That's on, the point. On, yeah. This is going to get back. Is yeah, like 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 J Law saying name, image, and likeness. That's you're not getting money based off your name. You're getting money based off of playing for the University of Texas. That's something that needs to be taken out. I, I I don't I don't like the fact that <clears throat> excuse me that uh that you freshmen can't get nil money because you you have freshmen that start and have success right away. I mean. Kool-Aid is going to start for Alabama in the playoff. Dallas Turner is going to start for Alabama in the playoff. Like, if those guys wanted to get NIL deals, you know, if people are walking around in the Dallas Turner jersey, he deserves to be compensated for that. But I just – I don't like the fact that uh, that the that these schools with all this money are saying, hey, if you come here, uh, you're getting so much money without even taking a snap. But I, I don't care if you ever take a snap, just – playing for my university that I like, you know, I mean, it'd be kind of be like, you know, Kool-Aid got the Kool-Aid uh, NIL deal or whatever. Well, what if the CEO of Kool-Aid was an ALB? And he's like, look, he told him in high school, I'll give you a million dollar NIL deal, but you got to go to Auburn. You, you see what I'm saying? Well, have fun riding in Auburn. Have fun. Just, riding I mean, in I don't, I don't know. I don't, and I don't know. This is just stuff I'm throwing out. But I, I said this needed to be done from the start. Uh, this is something that, you know, I knew it would take off like this. I mean, you know, we started off talking about, you know, how much are these athletes going to make a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, no, this is going to get up in the millions. And in a couple of years, it's going to be tens of millions of dollars. Like, I mean, like Travis Hunter just went to a FCS school, the number one overall player, went to an FCS school. Guys, I'm sorry, Dion's not going to develop that kid. Dion doesn't spend enough time with his own team. He's too busy being on TV and doing athletic commercials and buying jewelry. He doesn't do any coaching. Like, he just recruits. He has better players than everybody, and he just says, go play. I mean, the dude pulled up to their last game in a freaking wheelchair or something after having foot surgery, like, you know, I, you don't schedule foot. Nick said one never. He waited till the offseason to have freaking hip replacement surgery. I mean, you don't do that shit if you're serious about your season. Dion's not going to develop that kid. Speaking of NIL, Barstool got that guy a multi-million exactly. dollar deal. Exactly. And Dion probably had a lot to do with that because he Dion does work, Barstool Dion works at Barstool. Yes. Like he's he a Barstool employee, which makes yes. it so much more strange. And he's also got – he's a billionaire himself, so he can be like, dude, I'll give you five million, five million out of my pocket. You can just be a part of my brand. I mean, that's what his son's doing. And, uh, I mean, Dion's not going to develop that kid. I'm not saying Travis Hunter's going to flame out, but there's a, a lot better chance he flames out now than he would if he'd actually gone to an Alabama, A&M, Georgia, where he would have gotten developed. Not sure if Florida State would have developed him either, but, I mean, they've turned out some pretty good corners in the past. But And I think Mike Norvell is still a good coach. I think he has the number one recruiting class in the ACC, even with Travis Hunter leaving. Um, but, uh, 
But isn't that isn't that still illegal to use that like you can't you can't set up a school cannot set up an NIL deal with a kid prior to him getting they can't use NIL as they're supposed to. Like Dion can't tell Travis Hunter, hey man, if you come with me, we're gonna get you on Barstool and we're gonna have you at four million dollars a year. That's that's why AM and a few of these other schools yeah. are already under investigation. How do you prove it? I mean, they couldn't even bust these kids when they were – because this, like Jimbo said on Feinbaum today, this NIL stuff's been going on for forever. And so if you can't catch them back then, unless you were just like blatantly out of the blue, like keep it down home because like Larry Blakeney, uh, if if you can't catch them back then, how in the hell are you going to catch these kids or the, these schools doing anything illegal now? You basically made everything legal. And then to sit here and say, well, you can't offer them anything before, how are you going to catch them doing anything? There ain't, ain't no way. There's no way because everything they're doing is in person. They're not putting anything on social media. They're not recording anything. And, you know, I mean, 15, 20 minutes after the kid signs, it all of a sudden comes out. That he's got these pen and these barstool deals. And, yeah, you can't tell me that wasn't set up before he signed. You don't set that stuff up in a half an hour. I mean, uh, like, so, yeah, absolutely. But you're never going to catch these guys. But, you know, I don't want to dwell on the NIL. Um, you know, like I said, I agree with it. I just think there needs to be uh, there there needs to be some limitations. I don't like Lester said. I don't know who the governing body is going to be, but um, you know, Alabama as a as a you know recruiting class as a whole today. We'll hit on this real quick before basketball. Um, Lester, you know, you add Earl Little Jr., you add Curtis Perry from from um, close to us down here in Montgomery at Pike Road. Um, you had, like I said earlier, Elias Ricks and, um, gosh, who was the other one? Uh, Jihad, Jihad Campbell. Um, no, he's not a terrorist for those of you asking. Um, he, he's not gonna, he's not gonna show up to, to spring practice in a turban. Uh, and he's not going to bring bombs to, to the campus. I assure you of that, but, um, yeah, that, that's his name. He's decommit from Clemson four or five star edge rusher. Um, Really big since Alabama loses. A lot of people thought they were getting Marvin Jones Jr. He goes to Georgia. He had a visit last weekend. They crushed the visit, and uh, he decided to go to Georgia. But, you know, his teammate Earl Little Jr. comes to Alabama. Um, a lot like Patrick Sertain. You know, his dad played played that same position in college and in the NFL. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was uh, very successful. So, you know, you add some big names and then you get everybody signed. I think Jaleel Skinner, they're waiting on his LOI to come in. Um, Chaz Preston's also another one, sorry, that uh, that Alabama added today. So, Lester, talk about, um, you know, Chaz Preston, the, the guys you got today, because um, everybody's been that follows recruiting enough, was aware of the class that Alabama had b- before today, you know, prior to today. But Adding Shaz Preston, Curtis Perry, Jihad Campbell, um, Earl Little Jr., and Elias Ricks. Just talk about how much that accelerates the class and, you know, how how it filled the position of need, whether it was D. Lyman, uh, edge rusher, cornerback, receiver. Just talk about how it affects, you know, their positions and, and what Alabama needed coming in. Anytime you get, you know, bringing these great classes – um, we don't know how any of these guys are going to turn out, but assuming that they turn out pretty well, hey, these guys, especially with the rules where, you know, red shirts can play four games a year, you have the utmost 
confidence in saving this staff to come in, bring these guys in, develop them to where, you know, in a year or two, when it's their time to shine, they're going to step up and be great. And until then, building depth is, 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 is good. I don't know why we're stressed about signing day. It's always interesting and fun, but, you know, when you got the portal, you know, able to go into guys like Ricks to fill in those positions of needs, it's it's the rich get rich, rich get richer, you know, reloading up for next year. And there's just a lot to look forward to. I think this defense is going to be incredibly nasty next year, even better than this year. On top of, you know, hopefully we get Booty from Louisiana coming in. I mean, from LSU coming in. I mean, a lot of exciting players to starting to look forward to. Yeah, you only freak out about signing day if your last name is Law, I guess, because – Matthew and Jeremy were freaking out. And I think, guys, at one point yesterday, I had to text y'all. I was like, I'm out. But I can't deal with y'all. Y'all aren't listening to anything I'm saying. And, you know, uh, my dad's a message board fanatic. You know, I have access to him. J-Law's flipping out. We're not getting anybody. Marvin Jones going to Georgia. He's freaking. I'm like, dude, like, you know, I'm like, hey, you, you even if we don't get anybody today, is what I told y'all this morning. I said, even if we don't sign anybody, it's still a top three class. And of course, you know, we added three or four guys that, that improved our class. You know, you lose Robert Woodyard to Auburn, um, who that was expected for about, you know, four or five months. Uh, you know, I told y'all that. And um, he actually helped both classes. He actually helped our average uh, because he was a good player, but wasn't elite by any means. And he helped Auburn's class because he ended up being their highest rated recruit at number 137 overall in 24-7. Um, so it's funny how he helped both classes by, by with his flip. But, um, you know, Alabama's average, what's this say? Let me, I'm going to pull it up real quick. I should have been more prepared. Um, but, uh, you know, the average um, for last year, was uh point nine four nine nine, I believe it was, and then the average for this year is point nine five one seven. So last year, the thing is, you had three more commits than you do right now. Currently, Alabama's sitting at twenty four commits, but the average rating per player is higher than it was last year. And if you don't remember, last year on paper was the greatest recruiting class that was ever the, this the greatest recruiting class ever now it's possible the texas a&m they add shamar stewart and um and harold perkins that they break that record but uh so it only hold up for one year but you know as of now still uh a&m sitting there their average their average uh per player is is nine four two four and balance is nine five one seven so it still says a lot. And, and J-Lo, one, th one thing that, uh, that, I, that I mentioned to you all today, when you recruit a great, a phenomenal class, it's so hard to follow it up with another one. Um, because even though Alabama lost a lot, I think that's what led to, uh, to the great class last year was you could sell more playing time than you usually can as Alabama, uh, you know, as a coach at, or as an Alabama head coach. Um, so this year when you've got already a young team on the field, um, and you just brought in 27 dogs, plus, you know, you're Henry T Jameson Williams, you brought in a punter, you brought in three or four guys in the, in the transfer portal. 
um, that, you know, so you ended up signing, gosh, over 30 players. And, uh, and it's very hard to duplicate that success. And Alabama coming back, and, you know, right now it looks like they're going to stand at number two. They might drop to number three because Georgia might sign 28, 29 guys because guess what? They have a senior-loaded team. They're going to lose probably 15 to 17 starters in their, in their top 22. Texas A&M is the same way. They're going to lose anywhere from 12 to 16 guys. So they can sell more of that playing time. I know I told y'all Marvin Jones and his commitment today, the first thing he said was, you know, he liked Georgia's depth chart. And, uh, you know, somebody tweeted out a list of outside linebackers that are currently on campus at the University of Alabama. And, you know, the two more coming in today, they're just freaking loaded at outside linebacker. And, you know, Nick Saban sells to you that you can come in and compete and the best is going to play. You look at uh, – and, you know, injuries happen all the time. You look at Chris Allen going down. But you look at Dallas Turner. You know, he, he's playing now over Drew Sanders because he competed and he, and he, you know, he performed. And he's won that starting job, and he'll have it for the next two years. You look at Will Anderson coming in last year and starting from day one as a true freshman, leading the SEC in sacks. So, if you're special enough, you're going to play. But a lot of kids don't want that competition. So he'll, he'll go to Georgia where he, he still has to compete because Georgia ha- will have a good, another good roster next year. But they don't have the dogs at that position that Alabama currently has on roster. So, uh, J-Law, as far as just recruiting as a whole, talk about how nervous you were all day. I know Alabama's not going to get Damani Jackson. They're not going to get Denver Harris. They didn't get Dalen Everett. Um, but now, obviously, we know why. Of course, you know, you would have liked to seen him sign either Damani or Denver Harris. But, um, you know, with, with Elias Ricks, it makes you feel a little bit better. So talk about the corner position, number one, because that's what you were most worried about. And then this class as a whole and how you feel about it. My bad. Yeah, couldn't get off mute. No, man, listen, the class is phenomenal. I just think Alabama fans wanted us a really big focus on corner. And, um, well, they got one today and Eli Riggs, which to me uh, is just as good as getting Damani Jackson. If you look at the 2023 class, there's like three of the top eight corners in high school football or next year, all from the state of Alabama. Probably like Alabama to get two of those. One of those is probably going to end up at Georgia or the – I know Central Phoenix City has been really good to Clemson over the last few years. We'll see what they, if they can stay in the race since their coordinators are gone. But you think about this class, man, they still load up at receiver. They do a good job, in my opinion, across the defensive line. They still get the number one edge rusher in the country in JT Alexander. Um, they get their quarterback of the future in Ty Simpson. He's still going to have to compete with uh, Milrow because he's not going to have to compete with Paul Tyson. Um, so, I mean, they got their QB of the future. They have, they now have, I think, probably like 12 top 100 receivers on campus. You have Kool-Aid. You still sign Earl Little and Traquan Fegans to add Eli Riggs to let those guys develop. You'll get Jalen Armour Davis back next year. And they, they I think they answered some questions across the offensive line. You know, Brockermeyer and J.C. Latham. They couldn't pull a Evan Neal or a Leatherwood or a Jonah Williams to start its true freshman. So I don't know if there's questions about those guys, but they go out and they land two stud tackles, two top 100 tackles, uh, and they add them to the roster. So, I mean, Alabama, they're sitting pretty right now. The recruiting class is great. They're not going to sign 28, 29 guys like some schools will. They're going to finish with the highest player average. And that's something you always look at. Yeah, you can bring in 30 guys and put up a lot of points. But, man, it's 
it's crazy to think about those top three classes. And I'll even put Ohio State in that and then everybody else underneath those. I mean, the majority of the five stars went to those, go end up at those four schools, a couple at UNC, maybe one at Mizzou. Uh, so, I mean, like the, all the talent, all the major talent has ended up at four schools right now. And um, even if you look farther down the list, I mean, the rest of the SEC is in a lot of trouble. If you're Auburn, you're looking at it. I mean, you got to play AM, Georgia, and Alabama every single year. Alabama has 16 commits ranked higher than your highest ranked commit. I mean, like, ugh, I don't know, man. I, I know they're excited, they're top 10, but man, they feasted upon the change ups at Florida and LSU and some shake up all around the country. Like, how long are they going to be able to go into LSU in Louisiana? Because historically, they don't and pull four star talent, they don't do it. Historically, they don't pull four-star talent out of Florida. So when Napier, who locked down Kamari Wilson, thank God that he doesn't end up at Georgia. So there's still like LSU. If you look at it, if LSU signs a full 27-man class, they'll jump Auburn. If Florida signs a full 27-man class, they'll jump Auburn, Tennessee. I mean, it's just facts. If you look at their numbers where they are right now and they have like 13 commits, they will jump into the top 10. It's not hard to be in the top 10, it's definitely not hard to be in the top 15 when you recruit every single day inside of the hottest recruiting bed, which is the southeastern part of the United States. So there, there's some of these other SEC, SEC teams will sneak up there. But, man, for Alabama's class, if they want, if they sign 28 guys, they would finish with number one. And I think Eli Ricks just puts it over the top, man. Like, you, need, you had a need. You went and filled it. I know he won't count towards the class. But he's in this damn class, and Alabama's got the best class in the country. Yeah, yeah, Ricks won't actually count towards the the recruiting points uh, that, that you'll see. And uh, but um, you know, much like Henry T. and Jamo didn't count towards last year's class. But gosh, what a huge addition! Uh, he's the number two rated overall transfer in the portal, and you know, uh, right behind Edwards. Uh, they went from Ohio State to Texas, of course. But, you know, a lot of guys transfer. I mean, what are the percentage? Do you think maybe 90 to 95% of the transfer portal is is or consists of guys that could not cut it, could not start at their current school? So they're trying to get a new start, fresh start somewhere else maybe at a lower level, you know, Marcus Banks is probably going to go to Miami. Miami's still a good program, and Marcus Banks is a good player. Um, but he just wasn't quite good enough to start at Alabama, and that's saying a lot, you know, showing from uh, the efforts from, of Josh Job this year um, and Kool-Aid to an extent. But, um, you know – Yeah, yeah, there, there's 1,000 players – over 1,000 players right now in the portal. Yeah, and you think – I mean, may, oh gosh, what, 980? Uh, it's just – that are that are just couldn't hack it at their current school, so they're trying to find some. But then you've got some diamonds in the rough where you have a coaching change. You know, all the guys from Oklahoma that transfer, Florida, Chris Bogle, whatever the defensive end from Florida went to Michigan State. Um, you know, those those type guys. Uh, there's a uh, th there's a few out there that are elite players that leave because of a coaching change it's mostly what it is or you know in a Jameson Williams situation where you're just you just happen to catch the you know the short end of the stick and you just get caught behind Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson there's just nothing you can do as good as you are 
you know, those guys played before you, so you're not going to overtake them because they are so good. Um, and so you just try to make a trying to make a, a living somewhere else. And I'll be damned if, you know, Bryce Young didn't make that kid millions of dollars a year earlier. Cause you know, like I said, he would have showed out at Ohio state next year with CJ Stroud and everybody would have seen how good of a receiver he is, but Hey, it's, it's a year less you get to play in college and it's a year you get to avoid injuries and, and stuff like that. And you get to paid or you get to play or you get paid a year earlier. So Elias Ricks is, is one of those. And uh, this is a guy who is a bona fide stud. He is a two-year starter um, at LSU who is known for turning out defensive backs, much like Alabama. There's always the argument of DBU. Well, if LSU's DBU, why would the kid leave DBU to go to number two DBU? Uh, it seems like Alabama is overtaking that crown, you know, based off the NFL talent at that position and, and the fact that, you know, one of their guys called Alabama's coaches wanting to come. Uh, so, you know, that that's a huge get for Alabama. Moving into some hoops talk, Lester, me, you, Chris, Gage, and Sam Coleman got the privilege of going to the Houston game on Saturday night. What an atmosphere, 9 o'clock till. We were a little worried about the uh, about the crowd, considering the fact that, you know, exams were over, so a lot of the students are going home. Man, student session did a great job. Uh, you know, I was wor- you're, you're a little worried about the blue hairs going to sleep early, going to sleep at 730 and uh, not making it to the game. But, man, the arena was packed, probably – you know, 12,500 to 13,500 in there. Um, uh, really good atmosphere, and it made for a great a great basketball game, man. I mean, you know, J.D. Davison gets the offensive rebound, the put-back dunk after Alabama had given up 21 offensive rebounds throughout the game. And, uh, you know, then the controversial goaltending that wasn't, that uh, Kelvin Sampson and staff and players thought there were or thought there was um, – but, you know, and Lester, I don't know if you saw the actual SEC office actually reviewed that play on like Tuesday and uh, Monday or Tuesday and said that it was not goaltending and that the call was correct. So, uh, but yeah, talk, just let's talk about the Houston win first before we talk about the Memphis game. You know, your second win in a row over a top 15 team and uh, your second win in a row over a former Final Four team, you know, from last year. You still got one more to play in Baylor. They come to Coleman Coliseum on January 29th. Um, but uh, talk about how, how big this win was with Alabama's really tough non-conference schedule that Nate Oates has put together. Yeah, yeah, man. That was that was huge. And kudos to the crowd. What a great environment. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that many people in Coleman Coliseum. Um, lots and lots of fun. Glad I had the opportunity to go. But, you know, that was, that was a great win for a lot of reasons is, you know, they, they stuck rebounding. Jeez. Um, it, it was a flawed victory, but a victory nonetheless. And for them to come back, you know, get refocused after the Gonzaga win, that's huge. That's huge. It shows that, you know, it shows it shows a little maturity in a team. Um, clearly, that didn't really translate to Memphis, maybe dead legs or whatever. But, you know, for them to come back after, you know, the Memphis, after the Gonzaga win, you know, focus, get that dub, you know, feed off the crowd, feed off the environment. That was huge. Um, the team is a, a little flawed in some areas, but I have 
I have I have no choice but to have faith and and oath and staff to get things corrected and to continue to get better as the season goes on. And uh, you know, JD Davidson continued to get more minutes as the season goes along. He was at the or he was on the floor at the end of uh, at the end of the Gonzaga game, the Houston game. And uh, the Memphis game, which are Alabama's three biggest games of the season, um, J Law, you know this team right now sitting at at eight and two. Um, their strength of schedule ranks number one in the country. They've got a, a a good team in Jacksonville State on Saturday. They're they're not elite by any means, but another good um, in state basketball team. And then um, and so you know you've got the chance. And then you've got, you know, Colorado State and Birmingham's the last non-conference game on December 21st. Uh, I think I believe they're undefeated, and they should be ranked by the time that game is played, especially if they stay undefeated. So really tough non-con for Alabama. If you end up going 10-2, and two, talk about the success, or even 9-3 and three for that matter, man. Imagine the success, or, or imagine how that could – or talk – I'm sorry, excuse me. My freaking voice is – talk about how um, – it can help Alabama in SEC play. And then, you know, whenever the tournament selection comes around, how it could help Alabama, you know, gain a higher seed, even if they don't dominate SEC play the way they did last year. Yeah, Colorado State 23 right now. But those two wins over Gonzaga and Houston, those um, they don't cancel out with Iona and Memphis. Because Memphis can – I mean, I think that those wins will still hold a lot of weight, and although those losses aren't really going to help you, I'm not sure that they'll hurt you. Memphis could go on a run here at the end of the year if they can figure some things out. I mean, I know they lost four in a row, but, man, you just beat Bama. You're about to get into conference play. They have a solid, solid roster. They're very active on the boards, and if they can make shots, they'll beat anybody in the country. So, you don't know what those losses are going to look like at the end of the year, and that's what the committee looks like. They don't they looks at they don't look at anything other than what is all said and done and what is final. And they have their formulas and their quadrants and who has as many quadrant one wins. Well, Alabama's got two already, and Gonzaga and Houston um, maybe can add another Q one win against Colorado State if they rode through and win their conference later in the year. So, uh, please, where where with where Alabama is right now. They're in a good spot. They played a tough schedule. They have just as much talent as anybody in this conference. They open up conference play on December 29th at home against a really good Tennessee team that I think is ranked 15th or 16th right now. They'll probably climb up a little bit as you roll um, up towards conference play. Might be around that 12 to 13 range mark, and you could probably have an, an easy top 15 matchup if Alabama takes care of business. I think they got to play better on the boards. And Alabama, again, they're not going to win many games if Jaden Shackelford's first three-pointer comes with three minutes and 57 seconds, I think, to go in a ball game. So that's that's not going to work for this team. They're going to have to find unique or maybe even more creative ways to get Keon Ellis going earlier in games. But if they shoot like they did against Memphis, they're not going to win many games at all. Fortunately for Alabama – that's not who they are, but they have lost two games now in that scenario. Both their losses are because they cannot find a bucket. And I think that could be a big problem because if you get the tournament, you go cold round one, you could be out. And that that would be that would be considered embarrassing for Alabama this year. Yeah, it's a team that has too many weapons on the offensive side of the floor 
to uh, to have the whole team go cold. And uh, I think that one thing I would say is Nate Oates needs to do a little bit better job of realizing when players are cold. Because I mean, I understand starting over three. I understand starting one for four. Dude, when you're out there, I mean, it was obvious against Memphis that Shaq just didn't have. You can tell in the first in the first ten minutes of the game, you can tell it just wasn't going to be his night. And you know, he'll still end up leading the team in scoring because he's going to shoot it and shoot it and shoot it. And he just does not care about taking bad shots. He doesn't care about, you know, turning the ball over. I think he had like five or six turnovers last night. I know he had four in the first half. I didn't even look at how many he ended up with. Um, But you could tell right away that Shaq, uh, and I know I have a little bit of a quicker trigger on Shaq than a lot of people, um, just because I've had to watch the same shit for three years. And uh, and so I don't – I, I think that Oates needs to do a little bit better job that he needs to sit guys like that. And I'm not saying just Shaq. I mean, Q, Q will do the same thing. He will start one for six. Like you've got to know that and you got to immediately sit that guy down and you've got to be able to trust, you know, JD and Keon and Shaq to run the offense or for Shaq, you got to be able to trust Q and JD and Keon to run the front court. And, uh, or, or I'm sorry, run, run the backcourt and, and and have trust in them that they're going to be able to put up enough offensive production to keep you in the game. And then I'm not saying sit Shaq or Q or whoever for the whole game. I'm just saying let them let them chill out for eight ten minutes. Let them watch the game. Let them you know get into the flow mentally. I guess. I mean, there's all kind of mind games you can play. You can't just keep playing a player that's having a bad game, especially somebody when you have a mindset like Shaq, the mindset of I don't give a damn if I'm one for 12, I'm going to shoot this contested three or I'm going to go in there and I'm going to throw up this fall away sky hook shot. Just hope it cleans off the shot clock and goes in. And I'm just, you know, I'm just going to carelessly dribble the ball into traffic and, you know, not keep my eyes up and look for guys in the passing lane. It just, you could tell early against Memphis that Shaq was it was not his night, and he will have, um, you know, five or six more games like that this season. Now he's going to have your games like Houston and Gonzaga, where he puts up you know anywhere from eighteen to twenty eight points, and uh, really helps your team out when he's you know that's that's when he's at his best. But you can tell early on Tuesday night that it wasn't his night. Is so I think Oates needs to do a little bit better job of getting those type of guys out of the game and letting them chill for a little bit. Um, but other than that, man, I still like what this team is. Uh, I still don't think Q is there. I, I think he's going to come around. Um, gosh, Lester, Noah Gurley is just such so much ass. Uh, the, the, these first 10 games, man, it, it, do you, are you giving up on Gurley? Or do you think that this is a guy that can come around? I think he can still come around. I don't think 10 games, you know, it's a third of the way through the season. I don't think it's quite enough to judge him yet. Um, because you remember Jordan Bruner last year really hit his stride right when you started SEC play before he tore his knee up. Um, he started out the season really slow. A lot of people did not like him as a player. And then he had a two or three game stretch where he was really helping us out, especially offensively. And uh, I think that can happen for Gurley. Have you given up on Gurley? Do you think there's a chance that he can become a pretty good player for us and help us out in SEC play? Um, I I haven't given up on Gurley. Uh, sometimes you got to shoot your way out of a slump. Sometimes you got to, you know, 
throw up shots when you're open, obviously, but man, there's a reason why you're open right now. And it, it's just not looking good for the hype that this guy came with. Like you said, I I mean, I will hope it's not a comfort thing. You've been there for a while. You've been teammates. You've been you've you've been in Coleman for a while, practicing, playing games in the atmosphere. Uh, I just I just wonder what it is. You know, maybe he's not completely comfortable in his role yet, and what his job is on the team. We don't know. But you know, Oates brought him in for a reason. The guy is clearly talented. He can clearly, you know, help this team. So you know, when he comes around, you know, maybe he can be a guy that we can lean on later on in the season. But right now, um, the guy, the guy's just completely lost. It seems like, you know, we were so limited on bigs right now, and it seems like more and more, you know, Betty Ako is getting in foul trouble a lot. Um, I don't think he's playing. I mean, he he definitely didn't play his best against Memphis. I think he had like one rebound through like the, at least the first half. I think, or no, Landon, Landon told us that they had zero. He had zero rebounds in the first half against Memphis. That's just brutal. He got totally outplayed by their by their freshman big, who's going to be a lottery pick. So, Bediako's a long way from the NBA draft. Um, really, I guess the only one that has NBA talent right now would be JD. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't mind where we are right now. Gosh, if he told me that we're going to play Memphis, because I mean, Memphis preseason was a top fifteen basketball team. They were really highly ranked. Uh, I think they had, you know four, five, six highly rated recruits coming in. They're just very young, and they just hit an early skid where they started 5-0, and oh, and then they hit a four-game skid and then, you know, finally got back on track against Alabama. It's unfortunate that it had to happen against Alabama. But at the same time, in basketball, you know, you've got to lose. Uh, you, you know, you're, there's very few teams that have gone undefeated in college basketball history. And, uh, you know, you don't want to lose a lot, but it is good. You know, if you tell me we're going eight and two um, with losses to Iona and Memphis on the road, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, especially, you know, if you end up being nine and three or 10 and two heading into to conference play with the toughest schedule in the country, that's very, very impressive. And uh, it's going to do nothing but help you in SEC play. But, um, you know, uh, we're going to talk, I guess, next week. We're going to start – the bowl season starts Friday, December 17th. So, next week we're going to start breaking down the Cincinnati game. We're going to have, I believe, two more podcasts before Alabama plays Cincinnati and Dallas. So, we'll get a double dose. We'll do maybe a quick rundown next week and maybe some more hoops talk. Um, and then, you know, of course, game week, we'll do a, a more extensive breakdown of the Cincinnati game and – also break down the Georgia and Michigan game because I'm not sure that too many people um, – oh, and, of course, the Birmingham Bowl. We'll absolutely be discussing the the matchup between Houston and, and Auburn uh, in the Birmingham Bowl. you got to support those in-state schools, and, you know, you, you got to make sure you're staying on top of that. Uh, but as far as the other bowl games, pretty sure our listeners out there do not give a rat's ass about the other bowl games unless you're in the bowl prediction contest, um, which – uh, guys, are y'all going to do that with me? Sports Radio 740, J. Law Lester, are y'all going to enter that? You have yeah. to send me a link. I mean, they, yeah. they advertise it on the show, and I know y'all are big 740 listeners now. Y'all are, y'all are hooked. Every long morning. Short, yeah, long story got y'all hooked. <laughs> but uh, definitely got to enter the bowl prediction contest. But, yeah, we'll, we'll talk Cincy. We'll talk hoops. We'll talk Birmingham Bowl next week, the week after. 
Um, guys, y'all got anything to add before we hop out of here? All right, guys. Uh, roll Tide. Good early signing day for Alabama. Hopefully they'll add some more pieces soon. Um, I don't think the class is done yet. But for now, episode 55 of the Gump Runners podcast, Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. We'll talk to you all next week.